Hi, my name is Michael Frank, and this is the Prefab Pod presented by Prefab Review, where we interview leading people and companies in the prefab housing industry. Today, uh, we're speaking with Jim Russell, uh, principal or owner of uh, IdeaBox. Um, welcome, Jim. Uh, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Good. Nice, nice to talk to you, and thanks for making the time for us in this weird world we live in right now. Yeah, how are things going in San Francisco? Um, they are... Uh, they're they're going uh you know i I see the inside of my uh my apartment a lot so otherwise it's hard to tell but it's it's a weird place right now um anyway moving to uh slightly uh less grim topics um i'm excited to learn more about your company so first but first i was really hoping to learn a little bit more about you uh how do you get into this business oh uh you never know how things go um uh, kind of in a, it's kind of a career thing in the sense that it wasn't defined at the beginning, um, but it's certainly something that's been fun now. But my background is in architecture and also uh, energy and resource efficiency. And uh, in the 90s, I, man- I was working with a, a team that produced uh, energy efficient prefab houses in the Pacific Northwest, which is where I was introduced to this industry type. Um, and then long story short, did a variety of other, uh, energy efficiency marketing and, uh, programs, and then also some marketing campaigns for, uh, companies, large, large, large companies. And, and, but always had this interest in the prefab construction process and its ability to deliver, uh, homes cost effectively, but always kind of felt like, uh, design could, could be, uh, utilized in this industry sector and and then with my background in energy and efficiency and also materials and uh, you know healthy home and all the things that we work over the past you know decade uh, it just seemed like uh, an interesting combination of skill sets so uh, we started it I and mean, that's the real boring version of it but that's how okay. we got there and so I'm just looking at I just glanced at your LinkedIn and it looks like you started around 2005 did when you started it did it look uh We'll get into your product offering uh, in a minute or so, but uh, did you start with something similar to what you're doing now or was it pretty different? Um, well, it's interesting how, you know, it was just before the the 2008 uh, uh, collapse. and But no, I think it's that we stayed pretty true to the original goal, which was that we always felt like houses were starting to become, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. They, they, our, our idea was um, that you could live simpler, that you could live uh, and not, not in a causal way. I, that's the, the one key thing is that it's not about living a certain lifestyle. It's just living easier. Um, we always felt like uh, there were a lot of these new materials at that time that, that could make your lifestyle less attached to the house and on the outside and, and, more comfortable to live in a healthy sense on the inside. And then um, <clears throat> we always felt like, you know, design, uh, a lot of, when I started in architecture, it was in a resort community and, and I was always, you know, fascinated with how, why couldn't houses be like the places we always want to go? So I, I really wanted to bring design into, into the kind of the, I don't want to say small house sector, but to the prefab industry really. And so that's kind of where we came from, and uh, we're still trying to do that today. Our houses are a lot bigger now than what we started with, but 
and but um, but the concept is still the same. Cool. So so let's get into that. Um, so I have some knowledge of this, but you know, for both me and for everyone sort of at home, um, can you explain more about the kind of exact products and houses you get? You're all you are building on a regular basis. Uh, well, we build primarily today to two different building codes. Um, one is the manufactured home code, uh, which despite, um, it's kind of reputation in the market is a really pretty cool code in the sense of how it works with, uh, local municipalities and, um, and permitting and that kind of stuff. And the other one is modular, which is, uh, when you're building the local building code, wherever that house wants to go. So, uh, you know, each has their strengths and their merits. And, you know, our, our theory with relating to codes is uh, whatever the right fit is for the project and the customers, the one that we pursue. Um, uh, yeah, let's 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 dive into that a bit before I do want to get more into your specific house stuff. But let's dive into that, because a lot of the companies, the modular companies we talk to build only the modular code. Right. And I think, as you said, manufactured gets kind of a bad rap um, in terms of there's sort of a bunch of reputational things around uh, sort of how they appraise, how, how they appreciate, et cetera. So it'd be great to understand sort of what your take on that is. Well, I think, you know, um, I think it's just, a, in my view, the way we approach it is uh, it's just a code, like any code, you know, whether it's, building a shed in your backyard to the local code or whether it's building a 20,000 square foot house codes are codes. So you can build well to a code and, or you could build not so great to a code. It depends on what your goals are. So, you know, when we, when we approached the manufactured home concept, it was about the flexibility of what that code offers. Now there's a lot of, re, you know, some restrictions to how that code works, but overall it's, it's a pretty, cost-effective way to deliver things, not not in the how the home's designed or built or the materials used, but just in how the code works. So uh, while there is this huge preconception of, uh, and it's still true, I think there's a lot of ignorance in, the, in all the communities about what a manufactured home could be. Uh, those things still exist and they're still real and they're still building houses that, you know, could be cooler. But um, uh, we didn't look at it from that perspective at all. We just we took a fresh approach, and it wasn't easy to to find um, a building uh, facility or two that would be willing to work with us because we are we were coming at it from a different place. Um, but uh, in the end, it's it's a it's a valid solution for a lot of people. So so let's, let's dive more into this, uh, like more specifically, right? I'm definitely not as knowledgeable as you on this, but right, like so the key thing on manufactured, right, is that they're uh, approved by HUD, correct, um, on a national level. Um, so I assume the permitting is a little simpler. Uh, one, <laughs> is that right? Are there major nuances I'm missing, which I'm sure there are? And then also, uh, from an actual like building standpoint, how does that uh, differentiate between, like, are the homes that you build to the modular standard and the to the uh, sorry, to the modular code versus the manufactured code actually structurally different at all? And what are, what are sort of the key differences? Um, well, the first part of your question is it is, a, it is overseen by HUD. They do have <clears throat> local considerations. Um, for example, if you're in a snow load, you've got to meet that. Up in the Northwest here, we have a different energy standard. Um, we build above all that anyway, so it's really never come to be an issue for us. Um, 
And but it is it is an onerous code. It's actually more onerous really than than modular, just because of the layers of oversight the HUD code and the federal government require. Um, <clears throat> as far as structural differences, um, the the biggest primary one is that HUD code requires that the steel frame that the home is transported on remains on the house. So you're using that uh, those two I beams as part of your structure. Uh, when you build modular, they're not <clears throat> required to have I-beams. Those, if they do, they come on a carrier or some other kind of transportation device and, and those things go away. So your, your structural loads and calculations and everything are to the perimeter. Um, and this, so structurally, that's so basically the bigger, the biggest difference is the floor joist almost all the time. Uh, and then also the foundation preparation for the houses is, is different. One is, um, uh, there's a, there's patterns depending on the house as to how you support the frame and the perimeter walls. And on the other side, the modular side, you're building a conventional foundation most of the time. So, um, <clears throat> but other than that, it's, it's really, I mean, there's some other electrical nuances and plumbing nuances and, and small things, but if you stood in one house that was modular and one that was manufactured of ours, you would, un, you probably wouldn't notice the difference. All right. Um, so from a cost perspective, um, does that mean that, uh, right? Like again, I'm using sort of additives again from concern, um, yeah. like right. wait, like per, like permanent foundations versus right. Um, seems like manufactured homes by definition are whether they're permanent or not are sort of often considered in, not permanent. Does that mean that the uh, the cost of the foundation um, and site work tends to be less? Well, it certainly can be. Um, ours aren't. Um, I don't know of any of our houses that have ever been moved. It's, you know, it's a, it's a bigger deal. Um, but there are, you know, there are code provisions that consider the manufactured installation to be permanent. Um, you know, in the West Coast, you in California, us in Oregon and throughout the West, really, we all have seismic standards that we have to meet. Um, and so those are enforced and, uh, which is great. Um, but I suppose on the, on the very low end, or the less costly end, um, uh, they can remain somewhat mobile. But like in a manufacturing home park, for example, where they're not a, right. it's not a permanent install, um, um, which we don't the, really do many of those. So uh, right. I'm not as familiar with those. As, and then the last question um, on on this this particular topic is, yeah, and I don't know how involved you are. I think the other question we get on this issue a lot is uh, around like appreciation. Uh, of that, have you seen any difference in uh, the appreciation um, and like sort of buyer's willingness to pay for one or the other? Um, that's that's a you know often asked question, and I think um, in the case of our stuff, I, I can't speak to the other stuff, but um, you know there's a couple things, and it, it has to just do with really human nature. Um, a really nice house on a really good site. Um, is going to do fine. Uh, we've only had a few of our ho houses resold and all of them went uh, quick and fast and, and uh, above, above asking. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, we've done over 300 now, or I forgot where we are exactly, but we're out there now. And, and so it's a small percentage of what we've done, but they, they do fine. I think if you put a, you know, you have a, not a great, a not an expensive house. Ours are considered kind of expensive in this sector. And, and a lousy site, it's gonna, it's not going to do well at all. So it's really, I think, locale. 
Got it. Um, um, so, so we sort of went off on a tangent, which is kind of fun tangent because we get those questions a lot. Uh, but uh, just getting back into like what, what idea box actually builds. So I'm looking at your website. And it looks like, you know, you build a lot of kind of small to medium sized houses. What are the things um, for people listening that like sort of make you distinct? Like what are the key values? Like what are you trying to accomplish? And like, how does that manifest itself? Uh, I think, you know, in a fundamental esoteric way, we just want houses that are a blast to be in. Um, and we are also interested in, in creating things that um, don't require a lot to live in and around, you know, kind of what I said earlier. So it's, it's really mostly design. I think that's, you know, we're, we're really big on, on use of uh, a lot of glass to bring in lots of natural light. And, you know, with the window technologies today, we can do that without too much energy penalty. Um, we like volume. We like things that are tall. And while, uh, you know, there are road restrictions as to how tall you can be with something, we try to maximize those volumes. Um, we love open, you know, before there was open concept, we've always been big about sharing space with, you know, like living and, and dining and, and cooking as a, as a public kind of part of a house. And then there's the bedrooms and baths and stuff that are the private part of the house. But uh, all of them want to, to live the same way. We want lots of, lots of light, lots of volume, lots of air. We like all that kind of stuff. And we like access to outdoors quite a bit because we live in a pretty cool part of the world most of the time. And um, the ability to live inside and outside extends the size of a home uh, quite easily. And, uh, and because we are where we are, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just as fun to be outside as inside most of the time. So, uh, which is, which is Oregon, correct for the, for this? Uh, no, we're, we're uh, today. We're most of the West coast. Uh, we we are working on projects now in Palm Springs and projects up in uh, San Juan. Oh, I, mean, I mean, I know. I we'll we'll get to that. I mean, you you're, you guys are specifically located in Oregon, correct? Yeah, we we are physically in uh, okay. in Oregon. Got it. Uh, cool. Um, so let's let's talk about. So if I if I buy an idea box um, home from you guys, like what what parts of the process are you helping me with versus another party, right? Like, you know, you're handling the design, I assume, you know, potentially um, the prefabrication, not the site work. Like, can you give me the specifics of sort of, yeah, what what areas you handle? So you, are you talking about just kind of the process of what we do, what we do? Yeah, exactly. In, in, in which of those parts sort of you bite off versus working with other parties? Well, it's, uh, you're working with a lot of parties at the end of the day, you know, it's every single project is a, is a construction project, whether it's a little house or a big one. So, um, the one thing that we've tried to do, um, is, is, and most times clients haven't done this kind of thing before. So you're, you're having to take on a lot of hats and as we've grown, you know, into modular stuff, um, uh, finding, um, Contractors and stuff is, is really the, the primary challenge of, of a project's completion. But the process of things really is um, a client comes in from wherever they are. Uh, we like to uh, talk to them and meet them and talk about what their goals are. Uh, this isn't design related, but it kind of is. You know, budgets are huge and we want to make sure uh, the clients understand what, what they're wanting to do and what they're 
bunch of goals are to make sure that we're steering them in the right direction. Uh, typically we meet with them. We can, whether we meet with them in person, a lot of times we don't, but, uh, we can see all sites on the computer today. We can see them in 3d. We can get a sense of scale. Um, one thing that we have to pay attention to that site built projects don't is we have to be able to deliver, uh, the products that we build. And so we're looking at it from both, a design perspective in terms of views and opportunities and, you know, how that site wants to live versus, and, but also how do we get a box that's so big and so tall and so long to that location. So, um, there's that extra little bit of, of fun in that. And so then conceivably we, we, uh, the design part's always fun and it's always interesting. And, and, um, we try to have as much flexibility as we can within the limitations we have working, um, in a, in a plant, you know, a prefab builder. Uh, once the design is complete, uh, we work with, uh, we have several builders we work with in different parts of the West Coast. And uh, so that house gets reviewed and costed. Um, uh, and the meanwhile, we're working with the client to secure uh, local contracting. Um, because that's equal, if not more important, and actually most times more challenging than, than building the house part. Um, one magic day, the house gets delivered. I mean, this is cutting it really short, but yeah, I understand. yeah, the house gets delivered, it gets finished, and they're off to the races. So, so do you, do you do you end up do you own your own factory? Or do you work with third party factories, or how does that work? Um, at the very beginning, we we um, and it also comes from my background with the industry in energy stuff. Um, we've always felt like there's existing capability out there already and uh, running a production facilities is a completely different experience than, than like running a design shop. So we've always wanted to take advantage of, of existing capabilities. And now it's not easy to find the right ones. And it's, it's a, it's a marriage at the end of the day. So there's, you've really got to find people that believe in what you're doing. And, um, and, and you go through that kind of, uh, process with those people before you can go work with them. So, uh, yeah, we have exist, we work with existing facilities. Got, can you, can you talk about who, who they like, again, we, we know a lot of them in your area. Um, yeah. Are, are there a couple specific ones or, um, yeah, but we have proprietary stuff with them. Um, they're, they're not the ones in, uh, your, the other thing that I have to say, yeah. Um, is that we're also, we have a kind of an affordability goal too. Right. Um, so a lot of the factories that are kind of uh, in the news a lot these days. Yeah. Or, or, or in your area, right. Or in Washington are a little more expensive from our price point than my impression of you guys. Right. Yeah. Cause that was never our goal. I mean, you know, it, it sounds kind of whatever, but if, 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 if price was no option, you can do tons of things. And, and so part of our, I don't want to say mission cause it sounds serious but part of our goal was to have houses that people could actually buy and um the things we were seeing when we first started and, and even more today uh the costs are incredibly expensive so our our goal is to stay in the realm for most people um so, so, so let's, let's dive into that um so one of the, the questions we get a lot which we do our best to answer um which you know i find modular companies often have a hard time answering for understandable reasons is sort of this sort of price point cost um, question. Um, and I understand that that's partly because, right, every site's different. There's levels of customization. 
but uh, can we let's uh, let's talk about like one of your like projects or sort of an example project in an expensive city, right? Let's call it Seattle or something, right? That's pretty close to you. Um, what from like a cost standpoint might we be looking at? Um, and it'd be really helpful if you could sort of help break that down in terms of the different parts of the project, right? Like sort of design and soft costs, cost of the modules, right? And then, you know, kind of typically like maybe site costs for a relatively easy-ish lot? Well, that's a very, very loaded question. Um, as far as the way we cost things, um, the, what you're seeing online is reflective of typical projects of that particular model. Uh, we don't really change the costs from place to place because that's irrelevant to us in terms of just the house part, with exception of any local code things like, yep. you know, the easiest one, snow loads. But, um, you know, those kinds of things will have an impact. In California, obviously, there's the wildfire stuff and sprinklers and those things. But mm -hmm. um, so, but the, we don't change our costs re relating to where the house goes. Um, we've, we've set, we're reevaluating we're re some of our, how we're, we're doing our, our current process that's been since, you know, 2005 has been, we've, we always kind of had a margin that we've set. Uh, yeah which allows us to be freer with, with what we do in design. So it's not um, our, what we make isn't relying on the house. It's just what it is. Um, uh, Got it. So, so let's, let's, let's get a little more specific. So like I'm looking at your website right now, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at the idea box fuse three, which for those at home who are not looking at it is a very nice looking 1500 ish square foot th three bedroom house. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Like the price I see on online, it says the original is starting at 207. The custom is starting at 235. Um, so when those like, so first of all, right, as you said, that is significantly less than some of these other sort of high end factories where, you know, we see like 190 to 210 per module um, per square foot per module. Right. You guys, I guess doing some quick math on the back of my head or, you know, a little bit more like 150 per square foot on that, if that makes sense. That's about right. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. So are, are your local costs then going to be pretty similar to yeah. other companies? That's, that's the kicker these days more often. Uh, the, that's the most difficult part because depending on when, where you are, the, the cost can vary wildly. Right. Right. You know, in Portland and Seattle, and I'm sure in the Bay Area, obviously in the Bay Area, um, competition for contractors is really, really high. And, and location, like anything, is location. And so um, those costs are much, much higher than, say, a rural site and, you know, on the other side of the Yosemite or somewhere that in, in California or Eastern Oregon or wherever. So um, the, those just those are just crazy Um what do you what are you seeing these days? So I can tell you what we what we see if that's helpful, uh, right? We see typically maybe like with with exceptions, right? If you're doing something in Napa, or Oakland, or you know somewhere in the Bay Area that's expensive, two hundred dollars a square foot for the local side of this would not be unusual at all. Um, yeah, that's that's what yeah. we're seeing too. I mean, the site prep is a site prep always, so it's not going to be any different from for our house or or a house run site built or for from a high-end prefab company um that's just what they are they're always this they're not going to change got it so okay so let's talk about this um sort of relationship with the local builder so is the local builder 
who's who, are you guys doing the transport and all that stuff or is that the local builder or how's that happening um well it's it's we we arrange all of the transport and delivery um and then um to the extent where some sites require certain kinds of equipment to get homes there so um we we want to coordinate all that um the the builder the local builder and then depending on code like manufactured as an example um, requires in most states a licensed installer to do the install. So there's a, a contractor that's preparing the site like they would for anything. Um, and then if it's a manufactured install, um, we do need to find a, and source a local installer. Um, on modular, uh, a general contractor can, can take it all the way through if they want to. Um, we still like installers because they've done it a million times and, and uh, you know, it's just higher degree of security, I guess. But um, got it. And then how many, how many customers are you actually, uh, like serving on kind of a yearly basis? Um, uh, I would say, you know, our, you know, with all the weird stuff going on these days, um, we're about a 30 to 40 house, uh, typical year at any given time. We probably have, I don't know, 40 to 60 projects in some phase. Um, and that's that seems to be fairly typical year after year. Got it. Um, and how do customers find you? Um, I think the internet mostly. Um, uh, you know, we're we're in a town called Salem, which most people only know it being south of Portland. Um, so yeah, we're not a drive-by kind of facility place. We just have a little spot here in Salem, and and people come in usually from the internet. We used to do a lot of home shows back when those were, uh, well, not a lot of them, just a couple really in the Northwest. Um, but those, those have kind of changed. Um, so it's really internet driven. Uh, some, we were on HGTV a few years ago and, and that continues to send people and, you know, certainly the, the magazines are kind of fun too. So mm-hmm. I would say internet mostly. Yeah. And then, so let's talk about, uh, like the actual design and the actual homes. One of the things that I've heard from some other companies, this may not be true for you, is that sort of the homes that are shown on their site or the plans that are shown on their site are basically advertising and no one ever actually builds them. Um, right. You know, they're more for inspiration. Does that end up being true for you or are people sort of building like what's the breakdown of kind of very custom designed homes to something incredibly similar to what we see on your site? Um, there are some that... Um are are more popular than others but the one thing about our site is that that everything you're seeing is very real um they all the models have stemmed from something some projects that we've done Mm -hmm. um that's why they're up there as a model in fact we're having this conversation yesterday because there's a lot of things that that we haven't shown uh that we've done for people and and but they're not something that we feel is a is a model Mm -hmm. um for us, a model is something that people have seen and have bought over time and, and, uh, and to the point of others that they are serving as inspirational. Um, but no, what you're seeing is kind of what we do. I mean, we're not, uh, we don't do design to, to, to market or advertise. It's, we just show what it is we're working on. Got it. So I noticed sometime in the last year, I think you launched this farmhouse style home, yeah. um, which, which is cool because so, I don't know. I think we get like a hundred. We we get a lot of people to our website, and then we you know help a few hundred people every month, sort of 
think through projects and, you know, like some, like well under 50% of those people actually end up doing the projects, at least right now. Um, and uh, this sort of modern farmhouse style is definitely one of the two or three, like, you know, sort of more in vogue styles, right? We get a lot of like mid-century modern, a lot of like modern glass and a lot of people who want sort of modern farmhouse. Um, so two questions about this house. Uh, one is, uh, yeah, what inspired you to do it? Um, yeah, so let's actually start with that. What inspired you to do it and how did that come um, Well, there's kind of a funny thing about that. It was a design that we did in Colorado for someone who needed to meet an, an HOA requirement mm-hmm. which was a 612 roof pitch. Yep. Makes and, sense. you know, just because we're doing, we're doing something very similar with someone in, you know, in Tahoe who has to do a 412 roof pitch. Yeah. Like sometimes design drives it. And then, yep. um, with all the, all the, as you mentioned, the popularity of the farmhouse, uh, the, the, there were some of us in our little, little group here that thought it should go online. So we put it, the drawings online um, the funny thing about that is that we've done a lot of that house, but not with that 612 roof pitch. Mm-hmm. They've all done our typical roof pitch, which is the shed, the shed roof. Mm-hmm. So um, it's done wonders for us and that it, it, it's brought a lot of people to us. But on the, the houses of that that we've built have all been to uh, more of a modern look. So that's interesting. Um, I know. I think it's kind of funny. And, I, and I, I, we're not big on trends. We don't like to do things that are trendy. Um, we just like to do what we do, mm-hmm. and um, and that one I felt like we were caving to uh, to the trend. Which, um, not to take anything away from it, it's just that um, I think there's other more fun ways to apply it so that you're not looking like you're part of the trend. Got it. So, are there so since you guys are regular, or at least annually putting new plans on your site um, for so we're doing this in March of 2020. Do you have uh, sort of inspirations or ideas about stuff that we'll go for this year? Um, we're trying a couple things. Um, one is, you know, I know we're already pretty cost effective, but we're trying to come up with um, something that we can repeat and, uh, and control costs a little bit more in California. Um, the first couple of those are in process right now. And, and if they are built the way we've designed them, um, that might be something you'll see new. Uh, um, Got it. Great. Um, so this is um, very, we're always looking for better, more ways to uh, make, you know, building, uh, you know, more cost effective or affordable. So certainly, uh, particularly in California, that'd be awesome. Um, okay. So I wanted to, it's been great to learning a bit about idea box, but I want to transition quickly to our fire round. So basically these are kind of questions that we'd like you to ideally answer in one minute or less, but we, we don't enforce that limit too hard. Uh, but it's, it's great to be able to tap into your expertise. Okay, so we talked about lo- local builders a little bit and how crucial they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to build something in an area where you may not have a really deep local builder relationship, what should I be looking for? Um, interesting question. Um, I, th- I think a comfort level with a builder, um, you know, their local reputation um, matters. Um, and their availability to the client matters. Um, but we, once they're sourced, either by the client or by us, because we will, we will also help if, if they're not ready, uh, we really want to get to know them ourselves personally 
to make sure that, because uh, you are handing off, you know, it's like a relay race. There's, you are handing something off and you want to make sure it finishes the way it's intended. So, um, but just like anybody building anything, the local, if the guy's good, that's what you want. Got it. But does it matter if they have a lot of experience um, sort of doing modular or not, or is that not as crucial? Um, no, I don't, well, no, I don't think so. And, and part of it's because, um, you asked a long time ago about delivery and those kinds of things. And, and, you know, part of my answer was we would like to work with installers and people. So for most of the country, we've got those people um, or the West coast, I should say. So we're going to coordinate heavily with those people with the local GC um, so that the foundation is the way it's supposed to be. So that the expectation when the house arrives is, is what it needs to be. Um, so the contractor knows what happens after the home arrives. And so everybody's kind of in the loop as to how the process works. Cool. So um, next question, if, if I'm a, want a, a buyer and I want to custom design a house and I want to work with someone like Ideabox, what's most helpful for me to kind of sort of bring to the table or bring in preparation for that process? Um, I don't think it's any different than any, any architectural project um, or any kind of creative thought. Anything you have that, that inspires you to come to this place is what we want to see and experience ourselves. So um and everybody approaches it from different ways. Some people come in and we just kind of sketch it all out here or, or electronically over the web. Um, some people come in with, you know, like lookbooks or whatever they call those things where they're showing the things that have inspired them, right. which kind of takes us yeah. in different ways. And then, then the site itself almost always presents um, all sorts of opportunities that we can take advantage of. So it's a, it's a combination of all that stuff. Got it. Um you took, you talked about evaluating, getting a box to a site, uh, more or less. Um, what are the, I mean, I know some of them, right? Like road access power lines. What are the key things you're looking for to make sure that's feasible? Uh, well, that's a big one. Um, depending on what house or what model, um, the length of something can matter. So like a really curvy road can be a challenge. Um, the houses typically ship at 16 foot wide and 16 feet tall. And, and, um, so, and by some length and, and some of the larger ones, obviously are longer than the smaller ones. So, uh, that's one of the first things we do, um, is to see what the site access is and see if there's any issues up front, because if we can't get there, it's, you know, the rest of it's kind of pointless. So, uh, we like to look at that stuff really early. Got it. Um, okay. And then final fire round question. Um, it sounds like this sort of speaks to sort of your roots. If I'm thinking environmental friendliness, right. And I, uh, Right. I like the idea of building an environmental friendly house, but uh, right. Like what, what should I be looking for? What are the things I should be evaluating and thinking through? Uh, that's another <laughs> huge industry all by itself. Um, one of the nice things about prefab is that you're not doing a whole lot to the site. You don't have to do as much to the site. Um, you can keep the building environment kind of tight. Um because, you know, every, every opportunity you have in a, in a project to, to minimize waste or minimize disruption, that, that's key. As far as the house goes, today it's pretty easy compared to when we started because there's so many materials that are available now that weren't available then. You know, in terms like uh, I remember we were, we were doing bamboo when bamboo was like this amazing thing. And, and, um, or we all of our houses were no VOC paints and the interior is another one, but those are hard to get back, you know, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. So um, those are all, you know, today we're, we're 
using energy less is key and with LEDs as for lighting and uh, the new refrigerators are pretty efficient and uh, we like zonal heating versus forced air because it uh, one you're not blowing dust mites and stuff everywhere from the forced air furnace and and then the energy efficiency is is better with zonal um, for heating and cooling we like ductless heat pumps because they're incredibly efficient and, uh, and they work very very well um, and the, you know there's opportunities throughout the process from you know the exteriors today with um, well in California you know with the fire stuff you know fiber fiber cement siding is is practically probably mandatory there um, but they also they use fly ash and they're in their manufacturing so it's a better use of material and and you don't paint it as often um, we use a lot of things that it's embed the paints embedded in the in the material so even further um, just it's just every phase there's opportunities and we try to take them got it um cool and then uh this has been really helpful i really appreciate oh uh all the uh, sort of time and um sort of helpful information here so the final question we ask this to everyone um what are you most excited about uh for either your company or the industry sort of in the near future um i think the thing we're focusing on now um um, I don't know. Gosh, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I think being nimble right now is my catchphrase of the last month or two. Um, uh, we're always excited about design, always, always, always. And, and the people that we get to talk to uh, continue to keep that excitement going. You know, the, uh, we're fortunate to have really good clients and, and really exciting sites. So the process of design is always, always fun and always exciting. So um, but being able to come up with solutions that are interesting and, and um, kind of exciting and, um, and doable uh, are, that's why where my, my thoughts these days of being nimble are, that we can have things that people can have and have them relatively affordably and have them reasonably quickly. Um, it's kind of, at least for me, one of the driving forces. So that's a long answer to your very um, quick question. Well, thanks a lot. Um, this has been a pleasure uh, learning more about you guys and um, hopefully we get to stay in touch. Um, for more information about IdeaBox, uh, I guess the best way for people to learn about you is probably ideabox.us, correct? Yeah. Um, and uh, as always, you can always visit us for information about all sorts of companies in the industry at prefabreview.com. Thanks again, Jim. Really appreciate awesome. it. Thank you.